So joining me now is Carolyn Blandon, the principal of Warakiri College in Western Sydney. Very nice to be here. Thank you, Cameron. Can you tell us a little bit about Warakiri College? Warakiri was founded about 2008 by a company called MTC, which was a social enterprise. And the idea was to help stop people dropping out of school because it didn't work for them. So it's a different kind of school where we take young people 15 to 22 who don't really fit into mainstream. And we have young people who maybe have had peer relations issues or uh, mental health challenges or very difficult, complex family circumstances. Um, Maybe they've been in juvenile detention uh, or in hospital. They've got young children of their own. So young people who would like to finish their education, but the mainstream pathways aren't right for them. So the school already has quite a specific mission and caters to a very specific cohort of Mm -hmm. of students. In participating in the Future Schools project, what are you looking to drive through the Future Schools initiative? A lot of what we do would be seen as being outside the norm. But it has really, really good benefits for the young people who come to the school. And I think that it needs to be normalised. I think it needs to be highlighted to the educational, I suppose, system that there's actually other ways of doing things that work for a lot of young people. We have a lot... uh, we, we, We do distance education as well, which is very unusual for an independent school in New South Wales. We were the first to be able to be approved to give an HSC through distance education. There was no recognition that there are people who can't come to school. They're just too anxious. Uh, And what we do to try to bring them in for our hub days when they have to come and do some practical work or excursions, we've said, well, bring your carer, bring your parent. And suddenly they can show up. And and sometimes we've we've had a situation where a mother was actually filming her son um, interacting with another student because... She said, my family won't believe that he's got a friend and he's spent the day working with somebody else and he's so happy. But that doesn't happen if mum couldn't have come to the the day. Uh, We work very tightly within the rules, but we um, we don't work rigidly to the rules. So... There's a lot of scope, you know, we we move assessments, we do different sorts of assessments so the kids who are illiterate can tell you what they know and can do orally and you can still grade them and they can pass a test because they've actually learned just because the test wasn't written and they didn't have to read it and write it, they've still passed. And so when you assess people differently, then they can actually show you what they do and it's a very empowering experience. Uh, Because it's not a test of literacy, it's a test of what you know and can do. Mm. And I think working outside the square and being a little bit creative and looking at the letter of the law and thinking, hmm, what's the intention here? And the intention is good. You know, compliance authorities just want a student to get an education, to learn things, to become skillful and empowered and competent. And if you do that in a somewhat more creative way, they're prepared to support you. And a lot of people are a bit afraid of that. And I would say, don't be afraid, work with the educational authority and say, here's our goal, look, here's what's working, and they will work with you. 
you know, if we, if we view the curriculum as part of those rules that you're working flexibly within, how do you how do you strike the balance between fostering those skills and meeting those curriculum obligations? I think you have to look at each individual and you have to look at what are their goals. So, for example, we had a young girl who didn't do her trial exams, uh, which are worth a large proportion of the assessment. And she didn't do them because the police had called her the night before and told her to go out and find her sister, who was um, at severe personal risk uh, around the parks of a local suburb. So the young girl was out all night looking for her sister, supporting the police with this, and she missed her exams. Uh, It was the very end of school. She had to have completed 51% of the assessments to be allowed to sit her HSC. She wasn't looking for an ATAR, but she wanted an HSC to be able to go to the police academy. So on the last day of school, we sat her down with three exams, her caseworker as the supervisor, and said, you don't have to pass. It doesn't matter what marks you get, you just have to do the assessments. Because the rules say you engage with an approved course, you complete 51% of the assessments, and you do so with diligence. So she sat those three exams. None of those marks could be counted towards her assessment rank because it was so late. But she still sat the exams. She then was allowed to do her HSC. She got an HSC. She didn't get an ATAR, but she got an HSC. Uh, and she got into the police academy. So there was somebody who was able to meet her career goal by us looking at the rules, whereas in many other schools it would be you missed out, you didn't get your 51%, go back and do it again next year. This young girl was earning money working in a strip club. She couldn't afford to go back and do it next year. Hmm. She had to do it this year. So what would you say are the, the principal pillars underpinning the way that you're approaching you know, teaching in this school or, or managing this school? What, what, are the, what are the values that underpin the work that you're doing? You have to have faith that your students can learn. And I'm not just talking about learning a curriculum syllabus. I'm talking about learning to interact properly, to have positive relationships, learning that they can be valuable and that they're valued and that they can achieve a lot more than they think they can. Um, They need to be able to feel that um, they can not just be victims, but they can move beyond that to someone who can make a contribution. So you need faith in your students' ability, and that helps them to then have faith in themselves. Uh, You need to give them a very clear image of a future which they choose, which they see as desirable, because many come into us as, as victims, and they have been. Um, but we sort of hold their hand and take them through, whether it's a career pathway, you know, we set up the job interview, we maybe go with them. Uh, we have a careers advisor who doesn't just say, do this careers assessment, uh, oh, darling, you could do anything you want to do. Um, they say just a minute, I'll ring up an employer and tell him he needs to meet you. Uh, Very proactive career advice. Um, We have partnerships with organisations like Lendlease 
who take our students and show them lots of career opportunities because when you come from a background of multi-generational uh, unemployment or welfare dependence, you don't even know what career opportunities are out there. More privileged students uh, learn from their parents' friends and from their family what career options there are. But my students don't have that advantage. So you have to give them faith in their abilities and hope for a positive future that's a realistic hope that you can support them to achieve. And I think the third thing is you have to love them because many of them don't feel lovable. I have been appalled by hearing parents address their children in the most denigrating, insulting, horrible terms... I wouldn't even repeat them. And yet they don't feel lovable. But when they can throw horrible behaviour at a teacher again and again and the teacher comes back with, with grace, you know, undeserved forgiveness and will eventually always accept an apology if one comes, then that love eventually has an impact. And we had one young girl, for example, who was just so badly behaved that her family had thrown her out and she came to us and she was just awful. Uh, and she came to get a little bit better as things worked. And we eventually helped her get a TAFE course to do assistant nursing. She came back recently. She'd completed her course. She'd been working as an assistant nurse. She was about to start training as a full, proper nurse to start a degree. And she said to us, well, why didn't you give up on me? Because everybody else did. And in a sense, she was pushing us to do that because then she could get out of things. She was no longer accountable if we'd given up. Uh, and we didn't. We just kept going because we loved her. And that's what made the difference because then, then she kind of had to, had to do something different. And her family have now taken her back in. And so the family is now whole again. Um, she has a future because she had some hope. And we had faith that she could get there, but I think it was the love that made the difference. When it comes to your involvement with the future schools, what are you looking to achieve? Like, What are the milestones you're hoping to, to achieve over the next six to 12 months? I liked the three groupings they had. Um, the groupings referring to... Um, the, opposition, the operational um, philosophy, for example, about the student's experience and um, looking also at the learning that goes on. And I think that um, some of the, the feature areas, I, mean, I guess we're looking at the humanity side there, um, the growing the human being. Um, I, I will be looking at those as use, using them as some of the structures for our next strategic plan. I think it's a very, very good framework. Um, when I first read it, I thought, oh, it's actually a bit um, theoretical. But when I, I listened to Valerie Halloran's lectures, or her lecture, particularly the Australian Learning Lecture, I thought, oh, no, this is not just in the mind, this is in the heart too. And I looked at some of the other case studies, and I thought, yes, these people are working from the heart. And I think the fact that it could be contextually modified or was perhaps more universally contextually appropriate appealed to me also because uh, we are in a small niche but actually it worked for us too so I, I will take those elements as part of my strategic plan moving forward excellent well i wish you all the best it sounds like a very worthwhile 
and rewarding endeavor when it when it works uh so all the best and hopefully we might be able to catch up uh in the future and and hear about how you've been going implementing some of those changes oh look i think that would be wonderful i think the future schools system and ideas and philosophy has a lot to offer and i'm looking forward to implementing a lot of that next year and in our future strategic plan